On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Mark Hewson, who is an athletic trainer in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area at Bell and Health. Uh, we talk a lot about in this one about cardiac care and AEDs, and Mark shares a personal story about why it's so important to have these and have people trained. And we talk also about their partnership with the Green Bay Packers on getting $100,000 worth of AEDs out into local communities across the state. Uh, Mark shares all the work he's been doing for advocacy in those areas to really help drive safer cardiac conditions for everyone. We also talk about the importance of relationships and how those have impacted Mark's life and career and really why it's so important to connect with YBs and truly understand what they're going through, what they see for the profession, and what we can do to help move the whole profession forward and do so together in that regard. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Go check out their Revive at NATA next week, or make sure you connect with one of their reps and give it a shot of price uh, affordable as much as they possibly can be, kind of given everything, but also the highest quality backed by science. Uh, Go back and check out our episode on pneumatic compression uh, with Lawrence White on that as well. But without further ado, please enjoy this episode. episode of athletic training chat we are on uh with new wisconsin athletic training association hall of famer mark hewson who is an athletic trainer that works at at bell and health in the green bay wisconsin area uh we've been trying to coordinate this for a while glad we finally got there but i uh, wanted to talk a lot about cardiac care and we'll hear a story on that but then also his work with the Green Bay Packers, which I just want official, it'll be probably about a month before this one comes out, um, a donation that they coordinated together to get AEDs into local high schools. Um, and then also just talking about engaging with YPs and their importance in the athletic training profession moving forward, which seems to always be a timely topic, but even more so now. So before we get into everything, I just want to turn it over to you, Mark, to kind of fill in a little bit more of your background, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, no, thanks, Joel. This is a great opportunity. And honestly, it's a, it's a, a blessing. But um, thank you for giving myself and so many others the opportunity to kind of share their feedback um, on what, you know, what we are doing, because I think we all live in so many different worlds. Absolutely. So um, how long have you just to kind of go into, you know, how long have you been at Bell and what capacities have you worked just to give a little bit of background to everybody? Yep. Uh, so background is uh, 1997. Uh, I took this role uh, as an outreach athletic trainer. Um, uh, I was an outreach for about uh, 19, 20 years. Um, And then the last six, seven, but really it was an overlap uh, for a couple of years. I've become more of an administrator. So handle a lot of our business and growth opportunities with uh, outreach uh, clubs and associations. Uh, It's been a wonderful blessing um, of where I've come because I told my parents, I didn't think that I'd be here more than five years. Just, I think so many people talk about moving on to the next job. Um, sure. And I've been here uh, 25 plus now. That's awesome. 
Well, cardiac care is one of the topics when we when I reached out to you that you wanted to cover and you shared kind of a personal story as it relates to AEDs and how it's impacted you on a personal level. If you wouldn't mind sharing that to just kind of set more of a background on why this is so important. Obviously, this past year um, with the NFL and DeMar Hamlin, that continued to highlight the importance of everything. But if you wouldn't mind sharing yours. Yeah, no, I we don't mind sharing it. Uh, we've always, uh, my wife and I have always been very blessed, um, as we, you'll probably hear me say a lot. Uh, so my wife was, uh, well, it probably goes back to the year, um, literally a month before a month or two before we were going to get married. Um, in 2010, she was initially, uh, running the green Bay, uh, half marathon. It was a cooler day. She, uh, I saw her at about mile three and she bent over, um, and, uh, took off her arm warmers, retied her shoes. And I said, okay, I'll see, you know, see you later at the other, at the end of the race. I was on a bike and um, went to the other side of Lambeau Field. And uh, I don't know, it was probably you know, an hour later, I get a phone call saying, uh, we have your fiance at the hospital here. And I, I literally almost jokingly said, no, she's running a race right now. And they're like, yeah, she was. Um, long story short, she ended up having a cardiac episode that we still weren't positive with it. Um, spent four days at Bell and Health Hospital. And we're known for orthopedics, but we're really known for cardiology as well. Um, and uh uh, a lot of people said she had a seizure. Um, she had tests over three, four days. Nothing really came back um, positive. Um, fast forward about later that summer, she had a tilt table test uh, that did tell her very quickly. Uh, tilt table test is a, a table you get, you lay down on and they kind of tilt it back and forth, back and forth. Well, they didn't have to tilt it many times and her blood pressure dropped. Um, and she, you know, she was a positive tilt table test uh, uh, patient. Um, so we knew she had lower blood pressure. Um, so, you know, she was on some pills and, um, you know, on one pill to see if they could kind of help her blood pressure out. She continued to run, had no problems. Now we fast forward almost a full year. And I think it was the next year in April. I, I just very much remember this. It was around, it was the, it was the weekend of the WATA and we were in Appleton and she uh, ran, it was cold, snowy weather. Saturday morning, she was down in Oshkosh and she ran like a PR doing very well in a race had no issues running. Um, now we get to July 1st that year. Uh, I just came back from the NATA and we could not go with friends up to their cabin because she just took time off. So um, our sports med docs, you know, knew the med she was on and um, said, you know, if you work out, you should work out with someone. So that day, all of her friends were up at the cabin. She decided to uh, swim at the YMCA pool in Kimberly. And um, she had a cardiac episode. Um, on her end, she didn't really know what happened. Um, she ended up kind of passing out. They pulled her out of the off, you know, out of the pool. She was shocked uh, by an AED, an automatic automated external defibrillator. Uh, I think many on this will probably know what that is. And she was shocked four times, not four times um, right after another. Um, what it was was she would get shocked and her heart rhythm would return and she'd do well. And sometimes two, three minutes later, it would kind of come out. Um, so um, we do have a reading over, I think, 21 minutes of her episode that she was shocked four times um, with her cardiac event. So yeah, it was, um, she, you know, the, it, the ending was a great ending. You know, I mean, she, we, we more or less, um, you know, I had a wife at, uh, at a very young age that more or less almost died on us. And um, she was transported to um, St. Elizabeth's in Appleton. And then later in that day into Bellin. And um, our, the offering was I could, she could wear a vest and they could do some other testing and it would shock her if she ever had a problem or they could put in a little 
defibrillator. Um, so St. Jude at the time had a little, you know, as they said, and I, as a medical professional, you, you understand what these defibrillators are, you think, and we all thought it'd be the one that would kind of stick out on her chest a little bit and they'd see it. Um, ended up that uh, she was very proud of that. Even though she went through a scary moment, she had just a little scar and they tucked it behind uh, her pec muscle. And you really couldn't see the device at all besides the scar. Um, so uh, it's great. She's now got a defibrillator um, and we started progressing back. Well, um, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big runner. Um, so I'd walk with her and she would uh, run ahead. And uh, this was probably, I don't know, about a month later. And we were right in front of Kakana High School out by where we lived. And she walked back and she said very um, open to me, uh, yeah, I just got shocked. And I was like, what? You know, and I started going through questions and I was, she couldn't really give me answers because I was trying to drill her on, okay, what, what would he need to do? I knew what we needed to do when we left the hospital a month ago. But um, in the end, I, she, she reminded me, she's like, Mark, I don't remember much for those couple of days. So it was probably on my part that, you know, I was probably disappointed and frustrated. She didn't know what to do, but had to call the cardiologist and they've adjusted settings twice. They did it. And um, she still got shocked a second time, um, even with adjusted settings. So long story short, she had a, a cardiac event. Um, her heart will, um, for the most part, speeds up. So her defibrillator um, is used. So it shocks her heart um, and puts it back into normal rhythm. Uh, she does have a pacemaker though, technically in her defibrillator that I think one or 2% of the time she's got a very slow heart rate. So it paces back up to whatever the, the uh, beats per minute that it needs to be in there. But that really, that doesn't affect us much. Um, the great thing is though, I think that she's had a couple episodes where she, where she thinks she's having an episode and she can kind of come home and she can record it. Um, there, it looks like a little radio that sits next to her bed um, and it can sent, be sent into the office and they can do a reading. Uh, sometimes she thought she's happen, having an episode and nothing. Um, twice she's had over the 12 years, she's had an episode where it has paced her back out or, you know, it hasn't shocked her, but it's, it's brought her back down and she didn't know about it. You know, they've asked mm -hmm. about a day and sometimes that's, you know, they'll say, Hey, two weeks ago, you had an episode. We knew nothing about it. You know, she didn't explain anything. So, um, I'd say long story short. Yeah. We're very blessed. My wife is uh, doing well. She just, um, literally last November, uh, she got a new defibrillator because her battery, um, didn't shock her too many times. So it lasted quite a few years. Um, but she got a new battery that, um, hopefully will last just as long. Um, but yeah, she's, um, she's doing well, um, exercise isn't as much, uh, she's, she still stays very fit and trim, uh, doing yoga and, um, just watching her diet, but can't do the, the heavy swimming, the running, the, uh, the cycling like she used to do. I appreciate you sharing the story and the, the just the details of it all. Um, reference as we were getting started, you know, this partnership, obviously, not obviously, but anybody outside of Wisconsin probably doesn't necessarily know how intertwined the Packers and Bellin are uh, with everything and how closely you all work. Um, I haven't been up there to see it yet, which I need to make a trip, but all the new kind of facilities and different things look amazing. Uh, so I'll hit you up for that at some point here in the future. But uh, that relationship, I think I, if I was correct, a hundred thousand dollar donation partnership to get those out there. What 
other if there have been other initiatives have you been a part of with that and what has been effective as far as you know you from your end in getting those donations to get aeds everywhere that they probably absolutely need to be yeah you know i think if we go back of after my wife's um incident i think it was um and i have plenty of staff members that teach cpr and have used it and, and we want people to use it it's if you can use it at a teaching moment i've always said i'm very blessed of my wife didn't die. Um, mm -hmm. And some situations people have. Um, I've, I stay connected with a gentleman who was running a marathon down in Akron. Um, he was very blessed that he had two nurses that ended up, uh, uh, he had his cardiac event during the marathon and literally there was a clinic up the road and he got shocked by an AED. Um, not everyone has an AED available. And, and that's, I think, one of the big importance that we try to stress. Uh, so I covered some schools up north, and one of my schools, Peshtigo, only had literally one in the building, um, and I kind of wanted one more for our sports. So I applied um, for a grant, um, uh, and it was uh, Hope for um, Hopley's Foundation. Uh, she was a Women's National uh, Basketball Association uh, basketball player, and um, I'm not real sure if, if uh, the grant is still available, but um, I wanted an AED that I was able to give back to the school. Um, and it, you know, I, I was very proud of that. I mean, as yeah. we know, AEDs, they're not cheap. That's the frustrating thing. Um, you know, I mean, some of them, if you want them 1500 bucks, 1800 bucks, 2000, um, I'm a big also proponent of connect with companies where you can get re refurbished ones or, mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what are you really looking for? Because you don't need to spend three, $4,000 in some of these units, you know, what can get by to help out that incident? for the time being, maybe till an ambulance gets there. And yes, an ambulance, you know, EMTs, they have a lot larger um, AEDs and, and, and technology they can use. But um, these rural settings, it, it makes a world of difference. It makes a world of difference if you're in Green Bay, um, where there's you know plenty of police officers that may show up pretty quickly for an, for an incident. But if you're in a rural setting, it could be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes before someone gets there. Um, you'd hope not, but it, you know, it could happen that way. Um, so I think what I did early on was just trying to abdicate for these. Um, I think the other thing I, I, I tried to advocate for, um, going back to my wife's incident was when I went through training many times with CPR, people talked about, you know, pull the USB chip or pull the chip out and you can use that. Um, and it'll, it'll have the recording. So with my wife's episode, um, and I get it, you know, from the wise perspective, they were probably a little worried of, um, what are we going to do with this? I asked, I asked for the AED right away. It went into a holiday weekend. Um, the device salesman was like, I'm leaving for Europe. There's nothing I can really do. And it was frustrating. So long story short, we ended up like, as I said, 22 pages, or I think it's 21 minutes. And I don't know, I think it's 12 pages or whatever it is. We have a, a full episode of, I can see where my wife was shocked and where her heart rate, where she went really well and how she then her heart, the, the cardiac incident was starting all over again. Um, that was the reason I tell this story was it was huge for us when we went back in, I think it was two weeks afterwards and they really couldn't give us an explanation of what happened to my wife hmm. um, because she had all these tests from a year ago. She had a tilt table test that she was um, positive for a lower blood pressure, but why she was having this, it, they weren't getting a lot of answers. Well, when we walked in with this, paid this document, I remember the nurse practitioner was like, you could see her eyes get big. I said, okay, I need to go get the cardiologist. 
Um, and at that point, it uh, it changed the game because now they had a fully confirmed document saying, here's what she had. And this is this is at least what happened from shock and continuing on. So um, I, I just stressed everyone of you don't need to leave the incident with that USB or that information. ADs retain the stuff. I've been told some of them will retain it for the life of it because uh-huh. most people aren't being used unless you're using these ADs every single day where they're shocking someone. Sure. Um, most sporting events, most schools, I've been told that they'll make that, you know, over the life of eight, 10 years, maybe it's only used two, three, four times, hopefully never. Right. But the whole point is, is it'll retain that. So you can go back in history and you can look and it'll pull that off. The problem is sometimes you need that software to pull that, that document off. So that's the challenge that we have, but it's a, it was a great opportunity for us to have. And, um, um, we keep, we keep uh, two copies of it and went into a safety deposit box just in case we ever had to reference it. Um, it's not like we really go back and look at it. I have a, our sports sure. medicine doc, Dr. Jim, Jim Eben, um, spent time with me, um, and walked me through over 30 minutes of, okay, this is what happened here. And this is what yep. happened here. Um, again, I, I'm not a cardiac expert. I, you know, you go through education back when you're in college in this, I, and it's, and it's awesome to understand it. But when you can sit with someone who really knows what they're doing with that and showing you this is what happened with her heart, it, it makes a big difference. So um, kind of going back, I think with that, Joel, and I don't mean to linger on, was no, you're good. I think I think when this can when so the, the DeMar um, Hamlin incident came up, um, I was very I'll, I'll remember I, I was sitting there getting my son ready for bed and he was brushing his teeth. I let him sit and watch it. Um, he's only eight years old because nothing, uh, quote unquote, gross happened. But yeah, I was really worried when they, I was like, they're not showing something. I wonder if they're doing CPR. Um, I, I, I can't remember if the date was maybe like January 2nd or 6th, whatever it was. But uh, very quickly, uh, the Green Bay Packers put together a team and they wanted to do, um, a, we, we all want to talk of what it could be. It didn't come out right away, but ultimately the Green Bay Packers took over $100,000 and they're going to donate um, 80 AEDs um, to anyone, uh, that has applied through an application process, um, in Wisconsin or the UP of Michigan. So that process is, it's going on right now. And we're going to, we're going to pick them. Um, and, uh, we'll pick those 80 recipients. And then what we're going to do is, uh, take those recipients and give them their AD. They'll also get a case, um, that they can store it in. They're going to, you know, get all the, you know, gauze pads and razors. Everything will come with them. When they leave there, all they really need to do is, one installed on a wall before they leave here though, they're going to get trained in CPR. One person from every organization um, is got to get trained in CPR and AED um, certification, which is going to be huge. Um, we have our staff, uh, Denise Ellis coordinates our CPR and AED training for our hospital for the healthcare yep. system at Bellin. So it's one of those opportunities that um, we can kind of give back to the, not just our community, but, the whole state. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful opportunity to work with the Green Bay Packers, uh, providing space, providing dollars for this. Um, it's awesome just to see professional organizations get behind this. Now, ultimately we know it, it's a sad situation. Um, we wish these would never come up. Um, you don't, you know, most, most medical people probably never will witness this. Um, but sadly, um, it, that it came up, there was a great ending. Yes. And in the end, um, in fact, I remember we, we were literally, I was on this computer talking and then the news broke that Friday saying, Hey, he's kind of out of his coma. He's progressing. And 
you just hope that everything kind of continued because this, um, as we know, if, if an AED is not there, um, he probably doesn't live is what is my guess. Again, I don't have any proof of that, but it's just one of those things where um, he, they had great care, but we know it, you don't have to be a physician, a cardiologist, an expert. You, if you have an AED and you can learn how to just put the pads on and then, you know, I guess probably the biggest thing is turning the device on. Most devices now will walk you through it. And if they yep. do that, it's just a great opportunity um, to honestly give someone's life back because that quickness has happened, you know, or um, in some cases, it may be till that ambulance gets there, you know, and maybe they have, they need medications. Maybe they need to be transported, whatever it is, you know, everyone should have been transported if you're getting hooked up with an AED, but that extra care can happen. But especially in these rural environments, as I stated before, you could be 10, 15 minutes and it's going to feel like two hours um, waiting for an ambulance to show up. Absolutely. Anything else around cardiac care and, you know, getting AEDs and things like that, that you wanted to touch on before we kind of jump into, you know, relationships and that uh, whole conversation there. Yeah. And I think just when it just goes back, if, if you don't have an AED, um, I think there are, there's multiple places you can Google, you know, I think AED grant is one. Yep. Um, uh, AED superstore is a, uh, and uh, again, uh, full disclosure, I, you know, we, we don't get paid to do anything with, with them, but um, AED Superstore was a great organization to work with and they've got grant programs. And, and a lot of times, if you, if you're looking to match what you already have, um, reach out to those same vendors. There's so many different AEDs out there and, and very qualified. You know, I, I'm not going to say you got to go with one device or another. Right. Um, sometimes people want to say, oh, you've got to, you've got to match all the AEDs. Well, sometimes that AED that was purchased years ago, now went up in cost and maybe you can't afford it. But if you, if you have for another venue, a different brand, it's okay. Um, it, it's not that big a deal, but if you're doing a first time purchase, um, talk to these companies and see what deal, you know, if you're going to purchase eight at a time, see if they can give you a deal, you know, and ask those questions. Ultimately it's, it's having an AD available, um, and showing them where it is, you know, again, putting it in the back room, or a black back lock closet does no good. Um, you know, I, I was one of those people that used to say, geez, if you put it in that box, how many are stolen? Um, I just recently saw something on social media where, um, and people were cr criticizing it, but it sounds, I was reading the comments. It's an AED that's in a box. Supposedly you call 911 and 911 has the code that you punch in to open up the box. And a lot of people were like, well, geez, what happened if they don't have the code? But a lot, there was a lot of people that said, I've installed those and our 911 dispatch or whoever, they know the code and it opens it up and they can use it. And it, I think what they're doing is preventing theft. But I sure. can't honestly tell you one time that I've heard anyone say, yeah, our AED has been stolen. I haven't heard that one either. Yeah. And, and I'll admit, probably years ago, it was probably our fear. But, you know, and, and I think the great thing with these is, even if it's stolen, you know, let's say it's a school setting and, and, and some rascals, students wanted to grab it. They're not going to be able to shock anyone. You know, we have to remember that. They're, they can't just take that sure. unit and they can't just shock someone by hitting the button. It's not going to allow them because yep. it's got it's to have that reading. So um, it's kind of like a worthwhile piece of equipment. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of money, um, 
we don't want it to happen. But the good thing is it just doesn't happen quite a bit. Definitely. The other topic we had gone on was just relationships and their importance and kind of covering a whole gamut. And so kind of the first one is, you know, you worked in the outreach setting, which is its own unique <laughs> um, beast, for lack of a better description, but then also in the clinic, what had been some of the most essential relationships that you forged in those settings and also just kind of highlighting the importance of those? Yeah, Joe, I think this is an awesome topic. Um, I use it a lot of times, relationships, 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 and I think they matter. Um, I think over time, what they really are is friendships, friendships, friendships. Um, I think, as we know, athletic trainers maybe aren't always valued um, and people don't understand what we do until that bad situation. And knowing that people can reach out to you and you can help guide them um, is a good feeling. Um, I think if you, you know, again, I think I was 19, 20 years at the schools I was at. Um, this wasn't always about a student athlete. Um, I, you know, I had a, a principal during a blizzard, um, literally was just moving a snow, snow, a snow uh, mobile back into his garage and something happened and he had a bad leg fracture. Um, he was able to give me a call and I was at least able to kind of guide him of what's the next step we need to go because we have a blizzard that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, ultimately he needed a lot further care. Um, now, uh, you know, we talk about those relationships. I was single at the time. I remember, you know, I didn't mind that he called me at, it was probably 1030 at night. Um, uh, I was always, I got married later on in life. So I, I did take the phone calls. People called me at yep. eight, nine, 10 o'clock, sometimes six o'clock in the morning. They're not fun phone calls. Always take you want to, you know, you're trying to respect your own time. Yep. Um, and I, I do sometimes I'll, I'll stress that. I think that we need to take our own time and set limits. Um, when I got married, uh, in 2010, I think I started telling people, listen, kind of like after nine o'clock, I won't pick it up, Le leave a voicemail. If it's urgent, I'll call you back. Um, or if not, I'll get a call to you the next day, but it goes back to, this isn't just always relationships about, uh, orthopedics, um, or just student athletes. Um, I still get, you know, people have my, my phone number hasn't changed. It's my first, you know, I did have a, I'm, I'm going to show my age here. I had a bag phone. But my phone number was the same number and I've kept that. I just didn't want to take a work phone and a personal phone. So I've kept that number and, and I've had now athletes that now have kids that have called me. I've had people that have been out for 10 years, their kids are moved on, but they, the parents still have it. Um, maybe they're looking for someone because uh, grandpa needs a total hip, or maybe yeah. they're looking for someone of, Hey, we had a heart attack in our family. Who's the best cardiologist. I don't know who's the best cardiologist, but I can get you to our cardiology group. Or sure. we may have multiple sure. cardiology, whatever it is. But I think it just goes back of the relationship factor that it doesn't matter if you are six months in the profession or if you are 25 years in the profession. I think that the relationships we have is huge. Um, and I think it's huge for life, for a long-term life. You know, And even if people leave a school, they're going to remember you. Um, and we don't, I mean, I've always said, I used to love it that I was getting paid to go to athletic events. And I was hoping that I'd never had an injury. That would be a great job to have. Right. Um, they don't always see you though. If when you're, when you're, you know, you have a kid that went off to the, to the hospital for a bad concussion, you're going to check them till two o'clock in the morning or it's a broken leg um, or it's a follow-up. 
Um, there's so many different things and so many great stories that athletic trainers have. They're not always uh, shared and well-represented, but I think it's those relationships. And we know that when, when people have um, a tough time um, and they need to reach out, uh, if you can help guide them, that should make you feel really good. One that I think you mentioned and was we were going back and forth is AT serving as the kind of the keystone of an athletic department. Could you kind of elaborate on that? I think there's a lot of people that are probably nodding their head as they're going to listen to this and being like, yep. But could you just kind of elaborate on what you mean by that and, you know, those essential roles? And I use roles very widely of athletic trainers. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's, uh, I think when it comes down to it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter if you're there six months or, you know, I think you, you, you get that credibility over years. Um, but I think what it is, is we, we are, many of us are probably listening to this. You're an athletic trainer. You, you know, you work outreach, you maybe work in the college setting, you work, you may even work in the professional setting. Um, I don't think it matters though. Um, you know, yes, as we go to the pros, your, your athletes are getting paid more, but guess what? Um, families, no matter if, if, if you are with the professionals, college or high school, um, still opportunities come up, you know, and it's, um, how do I get in, you know, a kid to be seen of, um, cause they've got a, a dermatology issue. Um, or like I said, grandpa and grandma need a total hip. Um, okay. What's that opportunity? Um, you know, cardiology or, Hey, we just moved here and we're trying to find a, you know, what's the best primary care in our area to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for a while, sometimes it'd be like, yeah, they've got a close practice. Um, you know, can we use what we, um, our ability within our healthcare systems to help facilitate and get that person in? Because guess what? We want people to be healthy. We want them to live longer. We want them to, um, engage with us. Um, if they do have, um, you know, health concerns, um, I once had a, you know, had an individual who said he, you know, probably hasn't been to a primary care doc, um, in over 30 years. And I, I, I was just kind of shocked by that. Mm-hmm. I think the more you're in the profession, you find out there's probably a lot of people like that. Yeah. Um, and it's not that they, that the individual was that unhealthy, but they had a bad situation going on and it just had to be taken care of. And yeah, there was there's really no records of him seeing anyone, especially as we went to electronic medical records. Sure. Um, so it just goes back of um, you're that resource. Um, again, it's not just about sports, but um when people need it. Um, another one, big one right now, mental health, you know, um, how can we help people, um, learn techniques? Um, my own son <laughs> during my, uh, uh, you know, I was nervous, you know, presenting, um, and giving my speech for the hall of fame, my own son kind of grabbed my hand and said, dad, you got to breathe, you know, and he probably realized <laughs> that I was, you know, but you know, I think they are doing a much better job in the schools of teaching these kids, um, how to handle anxiety, how to handle stress. Um, I don't think I remember, ever remember that in first, second, third grade, maybe not ever, but it's one of those things of the things that we can teach and help out and be part of a team. Um, I think that's a great opportunity. Um, again, I want to, you know, put it out there of, I'm not saying we should answer that phone call 24 hours a day, 365. We do need to respect, um, and we probably need to vocalize that to our, uh, schools, um, our teams, our profession, whatever, what are the guidelines when you can contact me or when you can't, or, you know, is this really an urgent matter? Can it be done by text? 
can it be done by, you know, and you always want to be HIPAA compliant. I get that. But yep. you know, sometimes, hey, I need to talk to you about um, something that happened six months ago. Can it wait? You know, what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> it's just one of those things. But it's uh, it, I think that in the end, if, if you can be that resource um, for everyone um, that they can pick up that phone call, um, it's an awesome feeling. Can completely understand that. Uh, the next one, kind of talking about relationships, uh, and I think, you know, with athletic training going through kind of a shift in a with the everything to a masters now, and uh, you know, lots of open jobs and different things going on. You know, you mentioned you've been in your role for twenty five years. I'm think I'm just on like the back end slash just outside the YP technically, um, but then you know. Just looking at our own state association meeting where half the attendees are students. Um, thoughts on connecting with those YPs or those soon to be professionals and, you know, building a stronger profession and ultimately kind of taking that next step in athletic training for the profession to continue to advance it as it has over the past however many years. Yeah, Joel, I think it's a, it's an awesome question. Um, you know, I think, uh, so I've been here 25 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit older. Um, <laughs> I'm not old, but I'm older. But I would also sit there and say of, um, I would hope that uh, anyone my age and, and even younger, though, uh, I think the first and foremost is if we can look back and help mentor. Um, that was one of the things I talked about in my speech, because it was, we can help mentor a young uh, male or female and guide them. Um, maybe they have questions here and there. Um, maybe it's every couple of years, but if we can mentor them, I think it's huge. I, I will give credit to uh, Tom Abdenauer was the head athletic trainer of the Golden State Warriors. I was very blessed in my hometown. Um, we took care of a family who owned the Milwaukee Bucks and he sold it and bought the Golden State Warriors. Uh, when I was in high school, I kind of wanted to do something with athletics. I didn't really know that much about athletic training. But uh, Mr. Fitzgerald ended up connecting me with Tom, uh, who was a head athletic trainer with Golden State Warriors for many years. And to this day, I still have the NBA little glossary of terms booklet. And it was huge. Right. It, it, it kind of inspired me. You know, I mean, I kind of, went, okay, what's the difference between a sprain and a strain? Um, you know, what's a concussion? Um, what's, what, what is the ACL? What does it stand for? You know, it was all those, and it was probably about a 40-page booklet, but that was huge for me, you know, and that Tom um, reached out, sent me this little packet. Um, again, we, we live, you know, I live in the Midwest. He lives out West. Uh, finally, uh, it was actually at one of the NETA conventions. Uh, I was able to connect with Tom and introduce myself. I mean, we've stayed connected now on social media, but what sure. a great opportunity it was. And, but, you know, I've had other ones up here, Pepper Burris, um, who's, who was an athletic trainer, um, red batty equipment manager of the Packers. I would say both those gentlemen, they never looked at it as, Hey, we're with the Packers and don't bother us. Uh -huh. um, when I came up here, when I was up here in green Bay and then returned from my job, um, they always were, were willing to talk, to share their, um, their, their experience that they've gained. Um, and that knowledge can be built. Now I will say things that maybe it was that we all learned, 10, 20, 30 years ago, may not all apply today. And I think, think the same thing is when you try to mentor someone, um, I'm trying to do more of that where I can say it's mentoring, but what I really hope is these young kids are coming to school with maybe more education than I got. 
and 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 it's changed. I mean, great example would be concussions. Um, what I left for concussion care was great care back in 1997. I, you know, it's what we knew. We yep. didn't have though sway. We didn't have impact testing. We didn't have a lot of this stuff. So sure. you know, you, you you did the fingers. You know, how many I'm holding up? Or you, <laughs> you asked a few words, and that's how it. You know, that's how you evaluated someone. Um, I would also take those same kids and say, what can we learn? And ultimately, how do we bridge that gap? How do the young the young professionals teach us? And like you said, sometimes. You know, everyone sometimes asks, what's that definition of young professional? Um, I don't care if it's 25. I don't care if it's 30. I don't care if it's 35. I think we all need to mentor and help mentor each other. No one's better than another. Um, uh, just even doing this role as an administrator, I'll tell you that it's, not, it's nothing that we learn in school. Um, right. But it's, you know, it goes back to the same thing, relationships. You know, it's staying connected. Now, was I there for every single person? There's probably someone saying, well, he never picked up my phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the truth. I didn't, I didn't pick up every single phone call. Um, and there are some tough patients and we know some, they're easy patients. Um, but I think it's it, when it comes back to relationships, friendships, and then doing that mentorship for those young professionals to help guide them of this is what you need to know. Um, I just had lunch with someone today. And I, I also think though, uh, you have to learn from your mistakes. And I've, preach this with my son, you know, I mean, it's okay to let him, let your kid fail. Um, but learn from it. And when I took this role, my own boss, um, it was a very good friend of mine, Terry Beck, who is our team leader now. Um, and I think is one of the best athletic trainers I have ever known, but he said, these guys will, will make mistakes. You, what you just don't want to do is make mistakes two, three, four times, but that doesn't matter if you're a young professional or if you're, you know, older like me, or at the end of your career, 55, 60, 65, um, learn from your mistakes, you know, I mean, it, you can still make mistakes when you're older, but you can still make mistakes when you're younger. Um, and, and, and then go back and, you know, reassess, why did, why did I make that choice? Or why did I do it? Um, and what was that next opportunity that I, that I could have changed? Um, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. And, but I think it's just giving back to the, that those young professionals, um, Maybe it's sometimes just giving them our ear uh, to listen to and say, is this how I should have handled this or no? Right. Absolutely. Anything else around relationships and their importance that we didn't cover that you want to hit on before we jump into those AT chat questions? I don't think so. I think it's uh, like I just said, I think it's relationships are a huge key, Um, you know, engage. I think, you know, we probably a lot of people that are going to listen to this, um, coaches are probably going to be a great relationship. You know, I mean, it's, and, and if it doesn't matter if you're at the, well, if you're in the high school, you got to manage a lot of different coaches college. Yeah. You're probably just man, managing maybe one or two teams with those select coaches, but, um, and same thing goes with professionals, but it doesn't matter. Um, you're going to have a lot of different opinions and feedback and, um, not everyone's going to agree with you. Um, you, we're not going to always agree with them. Um, but I think sometimes, showing that respect and, and getting, you know, reaching out, getting to know the person before, you know, something gets to be that hot topic. Um, and I think, you know, I think in our setting, which applies to many um, outreach, get to know your guidance department, get to know those key teachers, get to know your principal, your superintendent, your school board. Um, uh, I think sometimes attending events um, in that town or in, in, 
you know, I, I know it's not always financially, you know, we can't always, you know, throw a thousand dollars at doing some sponsorship, but you know, if you can attend an event um, and spend $40 on a ticket, I think some people appreciate that. Um, and it's just a great opportunity. Awesome. Uh, first question, where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Um, I think it's, yeah, it's a great question. Um, Especially in your administrative role. Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I think it's already starting to happen. Um, I think we're getting, and I think this is across the United States. Um, some people want to blame COVID. Some people, I think it happened before COVID. Um, I think COVID just emphasized this probably a little bit more, but I think uh, we're getting less kids that are going out for high school sports, which means maybe less people are going off to college um, and playing sports and um, it, whatever happened to the pros. The pros will always be the pros. Yeah. But I think we need to remember uh, we have to shift our focus a little bit with weekend warriors, with clubs and associations, AAU teams. Um, everyone can have opinion. I'm saying I'm calling out AAU, but I'm not calling it on a bad way. Um, I've, I've seen social media where how do you handle these kids if they're getting injured in AAU and should you, should you treat them when, when it's in the off season, but they're not really your athlete for your in season. And I've always kind of shook my head with that. I'm thinking, if you're the athletic trainer for the school, I kind of consider you the athletic trainer for that community. If someone has a question, it provides an opportunity for you to give them care at your healthcare facility. Now I'll be the first to admit you have to balance how much you're seeing and when you're seeing them and prioritizing, you know, Hey, if you work for the school, those mm -hmm. in-season kids should get that priority. Um, but when do you, when do you handle the off-season kids? When do you handle those off-season kids that are doing something not part of your school? Um, that just gives you that opportunity. So even the weekend warriors, you know, we have people that are 30, 40, 50 years old that are being very active and getting injured. Um, we can't always just look of everyone's going to come through the high school. Everyone's going to come through the colleges. Doesn't always happen that way. So um, if you can be that resource for individuals, um, I think it's a, it's, it's a huge opportunity that you can use your education and then help guide them for healthcare. Um, everyone wants to, you know, fight for that individual of coming to your facility. Well, that's a great opportunity. So I think that's one, um, I think another one, uh, so I think it's, as I said, you've heard me talk about outreach, I think is huge, but there's a lot of athletic trainers that, that will do college and, and at all levels, as well as professional. I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, even at the professional level, there's a lot more um, pros that are employing athletic trainers across the board, two, three, four, five staff members, plus interns, which is an, a great opportunity. That wasn't always the case 20 years ago. With that being said, I think some people say, I want to change a pace. I don't want to work late in the evenings all the time. Um, so I think there's some people that have jumped in and people call it different, the industrial athletic trainer, the occupational athletic yep. trainer. I, I think it's, um, I'll be the first to admit, I don't think I know everything about what those opportunities are. Um, a good friend of mine, Dan Tramp, is uh, uh, a member here in Wisconsin and helped, you know, we've done a lot with uh, reimbursement and Dan runs his own business and, and he travels across the country doing a lot of that business. Um, I think everyone has to assess what kind of business you're going into, how you want to help them. Um, there's guidelines because of OSHA and what's a recordable incident. Um, it's not your true 
outreach or college athletic situation. But um, people doing a repetitive movement every single day, five days a week, 52 weeks out of year, somewhere it's, you know, it, it may, they may end up getting injured on the job and you need to, you know, assess, is this a work, work injury? Is it not? Um, or they got injured on the weekend or, you know, on the weekend and then it came back to work and they can't stand all day long. So right. what do you need to do? So there's a lot of different, I think that, that industrial or, or just in the workforce, I think athletic trainers can provide so much. Um, again, maybe it helps out with the hours that you work where you're not having to work uh, nights all the time or weekends all the time. Yep. Uh, but there's, there's new regulations. You can't just say, I'm going to jump and become an industrial athletic trainer. You better understand the regulations that um, are out there and you better understand, you know, how are you going to get paid um, and what's reimbursable, what's not reimbursable. Um, I think the other thing is I've been blessed here. Um, our sports medicine doc, uh, Dr. Jim Eben, and he's our medical director. I knew in college and I, uh, I had my opportunity to take a job here and I did, and he's become a great friend. Um, his entire family has been very good friends. We actually just hired his son as a foot and ankle surgeon here. Um, I I will say though, that uh, having docs that will engage with athletic trainers, we have to remember there are some docs that maybe don't have a clue what an athletic trainer does. So that opportunity to engage with a doc and provide, you know, and share what we can do in the clinic. So I, I was blessed. Um, uh, Dr. Eben allowed us to start what was called the quote unquote physician extender model. Um, and I was very proud of what I led for 10, 12, 15 years here. I don't do much in it at all with the clinical setting, but I do know that um, my own boss, uh, Phil Shibley supports putting an athletic trainer or two or three athletic trainers with a lot of our orth- orthopedics and sports medicine docs. That is huge. Um, and it's nothing against any RN, MA, LPN, um, PA, nurse practitioner. We've got all those here too. But I think it's understanding what you can do. Um, I think the places who have taken an athletic trainer and put them in a surgical setting, um, and so they see what happens in surgery as well as they can come back in the clinic. That's a great step. So uh, kudos to all those people. So when you know when you kind of talk, what's going to happen down five, ten years? I hope we get more athletic trainers in the clinical setting. But I also hope that we we continue to push people. We need athletic trainers out in that outreach setting. Um, that's where we were born, and I, I want to see it continue. Um, we need to be taking care of, um, our kids. We need to be taking care of their kids, um, and their community and their administrators and whoever it is. Um, I, I love the outreach setting. It's what I, it's what I wanted when I came out, even though I had some connections, uh, with NBA and actually I did some internships with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I loved it. Um, but I ultimately chose this setting and, um, I think it was a, just a great opportunity to get to know so many people. Absolutely. And I agree with that one. Uh, I know that change of pace happened for me, so uh, it's worked out pretty well. Uh, what advice would you go and give yourself as a young athletic trainer? And if you could kind of set when that would be. Uh, to me, it's an easy one. Um, and I think it's become a, a, a fault that I had a major problem with. And I think I still try to work with it. Listen, listen, like listen before you react. Um, um, it's still told to me. Probably my wife, my wife tells it to me. Probably my son tells me. Um, I, I, my own coworkers told me. I, I don't, you know, I mean, um, I have German heritage. I got Italian heritage. You know, I mean, it's, I'm probably stubborn. Um, 
but I've also gone through some training and I think as, as a leader, but this doesn't just apply as a leader. We all need to just listen more. Um, I think, again, it goes back to that. Can we help guide and mentor that young person to say, you know, listen for the key components of what they said or what they didn't say, maybe, um, or uh, listen and really understand and sit back and think. You don't have to react to it and jump all over that. So I think the easiest thing, and it's, I would tell it to someone who has been in the profession 30, 35 years, you know what, sometimes listen. I, I, I'll admit it's hard to change that, um, yep. it's, uh, but it's, it's a great opportunity just to listen, um, hear some stories and, and give feedback. We can always learn from the young people and they can learn from us. And uh, when you listen and you hear the whole story, um, you may go, hmm, they may be right. Or, okay, I think you're partially right. Or, okay, here's the reason why I think I'm right, but let me explain it and then give them the opportunity to listen and then kind of work with them. I like that. That's a, I think that's the first time I've heard listen on here, but I, it's a great one. Um, and definitely one I could work on as well. You may have already answered this question, but I'll let, allow you a chance again to maybe elaborate. The most influential resource you have found in your career? Yeah, I I think, and I kind of talked about with the mentoring, you know I mean? So I think, that's kind of, you know, I wonder the, if that's yeah, where you were going. It, it was, um, you know, from the Tom Abdenauer, I would say, you know, I, I was very blessed. So I had a, you know, a head NBA athletic trainer that gave me the time. He had no clue who I was. I was some young kid in Janesville, Wisconsin, that uh, wanted some more information. Um, and he provided his phone number. I talked to him a few times, you know, and then I, we, we didn't connect as much and that's okay. Um, so I would say Tom helped guide me um, toward this profession. Um, you know, I had great ones. Seth Dawson was our head of flight trainer at, at UW Green Bay, small school. I went through the internship route. Some people maybe didn't think very highly of it, but I'll tell you, I think I was able then to do, have some freedom and do some internships. Uh, Jeff Paxson uh, works for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I worked with Pax back in Beloit, um, volunteering my time and, and uh, uh, had the opportunity to meet Roger Kaplinger, who I just went in the Hall of Fame with. And yep. um, they offered me my first job and it was those relationships. I still talk. Jeff was back in Appleton for, I think, four or five years and allowed me to bring my son over to a ballpark. And again, it goes back to those relationships. It had nothing to do with medicine, but he allowed, I was over there. I'd go over the stop by two or three times a year. Um, and, but I'd be able to go over there and talk with them and, and just have a good time. But he was allowed my son game of baseball. My son left the ballpark. You know, he thought he was on top of this world. Sure. Uh, I think here, you know, I mean, Terry Beck is a, um, a good friend of mine. His own son's my godson, but Terry is one of the best athletic trainers that I've ever known. Um, and has helped just guide me or, you know, you, you kind of have someone you can bounce, you know, an idea off of, or, Hey, I'm struggling with this. How would you handle this? Um, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm completely wrong. So using those uh, perspectives, I've also talked about it. Phil Shibley, Um, He's a physical therapist and he's a uh, director. And I will tell you my first year, I remember people say, don't you have problems because of the PT AT relationships? No, I honestly, we have been very blessed at my healthcare system. We don't have a lot of problems with that. Um, and he, and supports putting athletic trainers. When we came into our new building, um, it was putting athletic trainers in with our orthopedics, um, and sports medicine docs that, that was huge. Um, just, and then you have your docs. I mean, Dr. Jim Evan has been very blessed, but we've worked with some great ones, you know, Dr. Pat McKenzie, uh, Dr. Bob Anderson ended up, I had to use them during COVID cause I broke my ankle. You know I mean? You, you, again, 
you don't realize what those relationships are until all of a sudden, guess what? I got a problem myself. Yep. And uh, he was able to squeeze me in before we were having to shut down because of COVID and uh, repaired my ankle with a, you know, a plate and whole bunch of screws. Um, it's not fun to be injured, but you, it's nice when you also have those connections. You can call someone and say, I need help, doc. Sure. As an AT in your role, how do you take care of yourself? Uh, yeah, I think it's a great question. I think it's a, it's a call. I think I've, uh, I know I'm, I'm getting, um, heavier and, uh, probably more stressed at times. Um, I did, I did do a commitment a few years ago, though, is I've tried to read more. Um, I, yep. I, I think, uh, especially during the winter times, it's tougher. I get it in Wisconsin, uh, when the sun's out, uh, weather's warm, you know, you don't want to always go in, but, uh, winter time, especially I tried to read a book um, books more. And, and I've enjoyed different, uh, books across the board. Um, yeah. uh, recently I will say just even reading, um, you know, spending time with your family. I try to put the phone down at night, uh, spend time with my son and my wife, but, um, it's been kind of cool. Uh, there was a book that was, uh, written by Lucas Jaden, um, and Steve Jorgensen, two gentlemen who do a lot, a lot of stuff with leadership. Um, it's called Twin Thieves. I would recommend it for anyone. Um, Actually, Steve's son uh, played T-ball with my son um, right during COVID. And uh, we were able to, uh, I heard he wrote this book. I was able now as with my son being eight-year-old, we took a chapter night in the last couple of months. And um, some nights we wouldn't do it, but to read read it back to him and have him assess it. um, I think that's just one of the biggest things. Uh, I think another thing was, it sounds crazy, but, uh, I love the summer nights when I can just sit sometimes on my patio, um, maybe grab a cold beverage, um, or an old fashioned, uh, yes, uh, uh, but I think sometimes put the phone down and just enjoy the night. You know what I mean? Yeah. One setting, um, you know, maybe you talk with the neighbors a little bit, but you're not in that hustle bustle. And I get it. We all have real busy seasons and we know when it's busy. Um, I always joked, uh, I, when I was dating, uh, I always wanted the girlfriends to kind of go through all the seasons because there's a lot of people that don't understand how busy it gets depending sure. on covering one main sport or if you got like a high school, you're going to go up and down, up and down through different months. Um, yep. And it all depends on how big your school is or how small or the successes, you know, if they, if it lingers on. But if you get that time when you finally get a little break, take that time aside and enjoy it. Um, and yeah, we all probably need to exercise more and where, you know, I think it helps out with mental health. It helps out with physical health, emotional health. Um, but I think just taking time for ourselves, taking time for our families, uh, really enjoying it. Um, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, athletic training is not a nine to five gig. I didn't go into it for a nine to five gig. Um, but when I get that opportunity and I can kind of shut down and yeah, sometimes people have told me recently, you didn't answer that text right away. And I think they kind of got in an expectation. I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's two hours later when I finally get to it. Um, so it's, I think just take time for yourself. I like that answer, especially with the old fashioned, uh, (laughs) (laughs) if you could change or eliminate one thing could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset or anything of your choosing in the field of athletic training, what would it be? Joe, I love this question. And I, I will tell you when I initially saw it, I was like, okay, is there a modality that I really want to get rid of? Or what do I want to do? Here is the answer that I finally kind of came up with. It was I love this question. Um, made made you really think. 
it's not that I, I want to really get rid of the technology, but what I want people to do is use their brain to really think and go back to common sense. Um, so I'm sitting in a basement of a, our, our beautiful Title Town facility here at Bell and Health. We have a ton of technology in this building. But if I ship some of these, if I shipped a, a person out to a rural clinic, they might may not have everything, or they may not, you know, the docs may not have that MRI that they can get on that same within an hour or two. So it's kind of like one of those things, go back to what you know right up here. Yep. And use as Roger, you guys heard say, as Roger said, using your hands and yep. the brain. And um, I think it's that opportunity to say, does this make sense or does this not make sense? Or, you know, you may be getting stuck if you did everything right, but something's just not going on. Um, if it's, if something's not going on, maybe it's time to refer, or maybe it's time to ask and say, Hey, you know, what's our next step? Um, there's going to be some surprises, but, um, I don't, I think, you know, we've earned that right to have great modalities and great technologies. And, you know, I've seen people come here and, and we love it. And, and we get wowed when we have interns here, yeah. but what happens if you take a job in rural America and you don't have 75% of stuff. You still need to sure. know that brain. You still need to use your hand and saying, why can't this person cut? Or why, why are they swelling up? Or whatever the question is. And so maybe it's a discussion with the patient. So I don't think I'd ever get rid of anything, but I'd say, just go back to the basics and use those and refocus on those. I think that's a great answer, and I'm really glad that you mentioned that. I found myself go through that definitely in my own career, um, just bringing it back to what you do and what you can take with you. Yep. Final question. What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Uh, it really does mean the world to me. Um, I am so proud, not of myself, but I'm proud of the people that I've worked with. Um, this isn't about just, you know, I've talked about this and I've heard other talks. This is like my family here. We spend a lot of time here at work. Um, so I've got a great family here, but when I was out at schools, um, I had a great family out there and, um, it's not about that. We always have to be the best. Um, and you don't always have to win that championship, but to know, I mean, we've heard people say, it. you know, you get, you bring someone back from, from an ACL, um, or, uh, rotator cuff, something that's a long-term rehab. And it's an awesome feeling. Um, and I think being an athletic trainer, uh, we live, I I've always said, I want to be part of athletics. That was my goal. What did that mean when I was 17 and 18? I didn't really know, you know, I, I did. Do I want to become an equipment manager? Did I want to be at work on the grounds crew? I wanted to be something with athletics. Um, I had a brother and sister who were straight A students, uh, uh, my sister did really well and was in um, computers and she speaks language unbelievably. My brother uh, does a lot sitting at a desk every single day. And I said, I never want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm doing a lot more of it now, but I've, <laughs> sure. uh, I will, I will tell you my brother, um, he loves it. I just don't think I could have done this when I was 22, 23 coming out. Yep. Um, I think I, I learned to really love what I'm doing now with my job. It does provide me some opportunities to sometimes get home. And then I work later at night once my family goes to bed, but, um, being an athletic trainer, um, that that's why I say, make sure we share with the young people, what athletic training is all about. You know, where, where did we come from? Um, not to say that we didn't get, we didn't have anything because 
we had a lot of great things, you know, 20 and 30 years ago, but I will also sit there and say, there's a lot of great things now. That's why I say, don't give up everything, technology and modalities. We can use them. We've worked hard to get to that, that place. But I would say we also have um, a great opportunity as an athletic trainer to share our knowledge and our guidance with so many people at so many different levels. And then it goes back. It's uh, that relationships and friendships that we have with teams and kids and coaches. And it's just an awesome feeling. I like it. And I appreciate the take on that Uh, to just fully wrap up everything. If people wanted to find you, connect with you, reach out, what would be the best place for them to do that? Yeah. uh, um, I do have Twitter. uh, So that's uh, M-A-R-K. And then my last name, Husen, H-U-S-E-N. And then it's just A-T-C. Um, that's probably the easiest way that I probably have done a lot with, with work. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I think it's just, it's my last name dot. And then Mark, um, I'll admit sometimes I'm not always uh, as savvy on that. I'm new to that. Um, when you're almost 49, you know, I'm still considering myself old on that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, people can reach out to me even, um, I have no problem. You know, people, you want to email me as well. Um, they can email me at work. I think the more we, we have to break the, the, on the bottom line is when it comes down to it. I love it when I love going to the WATA, to, to our districts, to our, to the national convention. To me, it's not always about hearing about ACLs or concussions or rotator mm-hmm. cuff or, or um, whatever, any type of rehab. And I don't mean to say anything's bad. I love the network and just sit there and say, hey, Joel, I heard you got this, you know, you have this new uh, program. Can you talk to me about that? Yep. When people, I've been blessed from Marge Albom to, um, you know, Clark Simpson. There's so many people within the Midwest that have been willing to share their knowledge. We all need to do a better job of that, I think. And I think that helps. It's not about competition. It's about, you know what, showing your true value of let's learn together. Um, and maybe this worked for me and maybe it won't work for you, but um, sharing that not that knowledge and networking is an awesome uh, awesome opportunity totally agree and I, I was going to mention it earlier when you were kind of talking about the relationships like even for me it's still tough to convince myself to go and like reach out to a now hall of fame member you know to make that introduction but I have not run across where it has gone and been a horrible experience so just continuing to encourage anybody listening you know reach out to that person connect with them if they don't, you don't hear back from them the first time, try again because things get missed, things get busy, but uh, it is worth it because you never know what kind of connections you're going to establish and how impactful they can be uh, to your career. So uh, just to echo a lot of what you said, uh, I'm still working on it myself, but it, it has been a, it's been a good thing when I actually go and make myself do it. Yeah, Joel, and I think the biggest thing, it doesn't, you know, winning this award, it's been an awesome last couple of weeks. I can't thank so many people. But I will tell you, guess what? You also have to be very humble. It doesn't matter if I'm in the Hall of Fame or not. There's a lot of people that should maybe should be considered Hall of Famer. There's a lot of great people that have helped me out along the way. Um, and the list is so long. It's just one of those things of over the years. But that also goes back to our communities. It's the families and friends and um, people we've established great relationships with. You know, again, we, we use that term, but um, it, it's just taking that time. Uh, you know, invite someone out to a lunch. Grab a cold beverage. You're at the national convention. Um, like I said, I was very blessed the first time to walk up to Tom Abnauer and said, Tom, are you going to be here? And he's like, yeah, I'll be there for the, you know, he wanted to represent the other hall of famers. And I ended up catching him in the back and 
just had about a half an hour chat. You know, it's giving that time. Um, if we can give that time and you can set it up, take it, sit down and, you know, hopefully it even extends to other further conversations. Um, Absolutely. I get it. We're all busy, but find that time that you can sit down um, and maybe it's got to be scheduled. Maybe it's months later after the season, uh, but take that opportunity. Agreed. Well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Congrats again on the Hall of Fame and getting this AED thing up with the Packers. And uh, we'll be sure to connect here, hopefully again, sooner than the next uh, WATA convention. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Uh, thank you for everyone that is listening on these podcasts. It's, it's awesome. People have questions. Feel free to reach out. I, I hope that uh, if people, yeah, the AED, the Packers have have supported this huge um, opportunity that I hope that by, by the time this comes out, people can kind of look it up and find out uh, who got one. It may be one of your own schools um, sure. that received an AED. So it, um, just a great opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Athletic Training Chat with Mark Hewson. Uh, such an impactful story about the importance of cardiac care, not only in our working lives, but just in our everyday lives. So we really appreciate Mark sharing that and also want to say congratulations to him one more time on being elected to the Hall of Fame for the Wisconsin Athletic Trainers Association. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. We have this episode out the week before NATA. Be sure to go check them out. They will have tons of things, lots to talk about. I'm sure I'll be hanging around there. Some would be great to meet you. Um, as well as just meet you in general at NATA. So if you're around, uh, let's connect, uh, touch base, and maybe even schedule a podcast episode to record. But we appreciate you thanking or listening. Thank you again for all of that. Uh, anytime you listen to the ads about creating your own podcast, you're supporting our Throw a Lifeline program, which we're hopeful to get out here soon. So with that, we will catch you next episode. If you're traveling to NATA, hope it's a safe trip.